Jingophilia. Hello, fellow Anglophiles, and welcome to the season four finale of Anglophilia. I'm Stephanie Callis. I'm Kayla McMahon, and the subject of today's episode is a little gem called camping. Fuck, man. I'm so excited to talk about this with you. Neither of us had seen this show yeah. before now. Yeah, I, had seen, I had seen one episode about a year ago. Oh. Camping is a dark comedy created, written, and directed by Julia Davis that was broadcast on Sky Atlantic in April 2016. Camping tells the story of three couples who embark on a camping holiday spearheaded by the uptight, selfish, and controlling Fiona to celebrate her husband Robin's 50th birthday. The trip quickly descends into chaos and becomes a full-blown nightmare by the last of the show's six episodes. Camping starred Vicki Pepperdine as the insufferable Fiona, Steve Pemberton as sweet henpecked Robin, Elizabeth Barrington, the actress whose name I couldn't remember a couple of episodes ago who was Marie Antoinette and whose name I will never forget again, was Carrie, Fiona's meek, drippy sister, who is also the girlfriend of Adam, a widower, recovering alcoholic and macho asshole played by Jonathan Cake, Rufus Jones as recently separated Tom, and Julia Davis herself as Tom's new girlfriend of three weeks, a supremely sexually confident dubstep DJ named Faye. And finally, David Bamber plays the stuttering Norman Bates-esque figure who runs the campsite Bittlefield Farm. Like many of the shows we've discussed on here, camping was also the subject of an American remake adapted by Lena Dunham and Jenny Connor for HBO in 2018, which we will also discuss later in the episode. Um, mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing that sucks, and the reason that this will probably be one of our least listened to episodes. This show is available nowhere in the United States. Stephanie and I were lucky enough to find the videos online, but they have since been removed due to copyright infringement, which is fair, as it was pirated. But it does not exist on Netflix, Amazon, BritBox, or DVD in any region. So as a result, this episode will contain no clips, and if you're interested in watching it, I don't know what to tell you. I wish that you could, I guess, write a letter to Sky or something. Um, it's a real shame because I really, really enjoyed this show. It made me laugh a lot, it horrified me in spots, and I fucking can't wait to discuss it with you, Stephanie. And uh, sadly, this episode will contain major spoilers, and if you haven't seen the show, I'm sorry. You probably never will unless you live in the UK. At least until some brave soul decides to upload pirated videos of it again. Uh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So, sucks to be you. It sucks to be, I know, it sucks to be anybody who doesn't live in the UK. Well, it sucks to be them for different, like, political reasons. But strictly in terms of camping, everyone else in the world is at a supreme disadvantage. Um... Dude, this show is bananas. This is one of the greatest shows. This is one of the greatest shows I have ever seen. Oh, wow. I love this show. I cannot fucking wait to watch the show again. Someday and, um, when we're I will, on vacation. I will find a way. <laughs> I will make it my personal mission. I loved this show so effing wow. much. Wow. Oh, my God. See, I, I liked it. I thought that it was really fun, and I would also like to see it again and feel bummed that I can't, but I, I'm really surprised by how strong your reaction was. I... It was like, it wasn't like a car wreck that I can't look away from. It was like a good car wreck that I can't look away from, if that makes sense. Like, I was so mm -hmm. fascinated to see what was going to happen next. And the characters were all so engrossing, even though, or perhaps because, they were mostly really terrible people. Mm -hmm. But they're all portrayed so well. The cast is fantastic. Pretty much nobody is known over here by name, except for by weirdos and anglophiles like us. But... Yeah, no, it's it's so good. And I, I watched the entire American remake this week, as I know you did too. Dude, so did I. I finished last yeah. night. Yeah. And honestly, it just enhanced my appreciation for the British one even more. I had watched the first episode of the American one back when it was new. 
And I was like, well, okay, that's enough. I don't ever need to see this again. And at the time, I wasn't even aware that it was based on something British. I didn't realize that until we came back from the League of Gentlemen anniversary show, which we saw live in the UK last September. And I had bought a souvenir program. And on Steve Pemberton's bio page or whatever, he had all of these little puzzles and some of them were anagrams. And one of them was an anagram for camping. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize that that shitty American show was based on something British. And that's when I found the first episode online and I watched it and I was like, okay, good. I'm going to save this for next time we do a season and we can fit this in because Stephanie and I definitely need to discuss this. And then, yeah, revisiting it this time and watching the whole thing. It was really fascinating. I liked it so much. I hate, I absolutely hate, hate, hate American studio executives, dude, because mm. they really underestimate the general public. Yes. I understand that, you know, there is middle America and maybe your average Joe in middle America would not appreciate something like the OG British version of camping. But like, I don't know, man. I mean, when you consider things like how much money Black Panther and Crazy Rich Asians and Wonder Woman rakes in, and they're all scratching their heads and their balls going, whoa, didn't see that coming. <laughs> and it's, it's sort of like, why are they convinced that fucking American audiences can't handle a little bit of dark comedy? I'll never know how much Lena Dunham and Jenny Connor were responsible for sanitizing the series compared yeah. because trust me if you watched the american version of camping and thought it was uncomfortable it was uncomfortable because I, it was do bad, not watch not because the it was like actually exactly it wasn't british uncomfortable. exactly oh yeah i definitely want to talk more about the adaptation but first we want to dive into the good original one that no one out there will be able to see i just wanted to say that at the top because i do think that there will be listeners who have seen the u.s version and will be curious to hear about the uk version that is so that i did is, want to say that. no that's definitely yeah. true but no we can talk about the good version before we circle back to the other version okay so let's and all of my problems with it. <laughs> let's start with fiona I've never seen a character like Fiona on American TV, certainly not as one of the leads, maybe as like a throwaway one line person who gets to have one appearance in an episode of something. But she's so wonderfully unsympathetic. She's so selfish. The first thing you see her do is she steals mattresses from the other tents, from the other people who haven't gotten there first because she specifically told everybody else to arrive after her and Robin and their young son, Archie, who, oh, my heart goes out to. He is the sweetest, saddest little boy. And I love him so much. I mean, wouldn't you be? Oh, no, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Absolutely. Jeez, with a mother like that. I mean, she's, um, you know, she's constantly yelling at Robin. And Robin is so incredibly sweet. He just wants to make her happy. He's a total peacemaker. He tries to be as nice to his son as possible to counterbalance the horrible influence of Fiona being so cold and unloving and competitive. She's the person who has planned the trip for Robin's birthday, and she has an itinerary for every single day, and she's very pissed off if anybody suggests deviating from the itinerary. Mm -hmm. And so I, I mean, it just rang true for me, the idea of someone who's able to ruin everything with this idea of mandatory fun Completely. and my way or the highway, and every single thing that she says, you know, is on the itinerary for that day, she says it with a scowl. She's not smiling she never she's smiles, not trying yeah. to she never smiles she's not trying to make it sound like oh isn't it so much fun that we're gonna go look for fossils mm -hmm. she's able to make it sound horrible mm -hmm. i just saw this 
exhausted, unhappy person. She's so rigid, as you said, anytime anybody tries to deviate from the schedule. It's not just like the American version where she gets a little bit, you know, she's sad and upset. Like we, we've all seen characters and known people in our real lives who are like that. But someone who is such a, I hate to use the word Nazi, not describing actual Nazis, but who's such a Nazi about it. She's really just like fascistically devoted to her own right? <laughs> so that's Fiona. I mean, she, she doesn't just have a printed out itinerary. She has like actual spreadsheets of every single thing that she does. One of my favorite little moments, just this, just like a little throwaway thing is when Tom and Faye as a birthday present to Robin decide to spring for a fishing trip on a day that she has planned. They're going to go to monkey world, which actually does sound pretty great. <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah, we never get to learn what monkey monkeys world is. always trump fish. I mean, at least in my book. So I I'm with Fiona on this one, but anyway, they've, they've booked this trip specifically for this day and she refuses to go. She's staying behind in town. And as they're all leaving to go on the boat, she hands them all pieces of paper. And she said, these are printouts of drownings over the last five years. And I was like, that's just, yeah. Fucking great writing. Yes. Well done, Julia Davis. Oh my god. I know. So well done. Mm -hmm. And so then, Robin, this is yet another example of a relationship on screen that I really have a hard time picturing why they're together or what it was like when their relationship was new. Because it is revealed several episodes in that Robin and Fiona haven't had sex for seven years. Mm -hmm. They have an eight-year-old child, so they stopped having sex sometime when he was an infant and... It's very sad. You do feel for him a lot. And he's, I don't know, he's just so sweet. And I mean, Steve Pemberton, I love him so much. He's, someday you're going to hear us wax poetic about his many gifts when we finally cover the League of Gentlemen. But he's a brilliant actor and a brilliant writer. And this only shows a tiny, tiny sliver of his range. But he's so wonderful in this. A tiny sliver of his range. I mean, if you've seen him in more things, you you look at him in this and you go, okay, there's nothing you can't do. Oh, yeah. Because in this, he's kind of a pathetic, he's pathetic, but he's also just a guy. Yeah. He's, he's not, a normal uh, dude. He's not a monster. He's a normal human being. <laughs> he's not a serial killing, psychopathic, no. incestuous. Oh, my God. I no. oh, fucking love you, Steve. Or a woman. Or a woman. You I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting to see him play the kind of straight man. But you can see how much Robin still cares for Fiona. I know, it's and it's really so heartbreaking. Obvious. All he wants is her attention. And to make her happy. You know, and you can see him attempt to initiate sex with her a few times, but it's not in, like, a overly gross way. It's in a it's very kind of pathetic... No, it's it's in a sweet little just try to hold her and she's disgusted. It acts like it hurts. Yeah, he tries to give her a foot rub. Yeah. Oh, and another yeah. really sweet moment is so this show takes place in the days leading up to Robin's birthday proper and then it ends on the actual day of his birthday. And he wakes her up by giving her breakfast in bed, which is on so, his birthday. On his birthday. It's so oh, it's so sad and so sweet. I just Yeah, what does he say? He's like happy birthday to me and breakfast in bed for my princess. Oh, I know. Nobody nobody deserves that, especially Fiona. Anyway. And she's a complete dick about no, it. No, she really she's is. But I just dick about I it. just have to say that actress, I've only seen her in one other thing before, and I didn't even realize that until I rewatched. Which was this week. what? She played the therapist in Sally Forever. Oh, okay. But I didn't watch Sally Forever. You didn't? Oh, that's right. You only read the scripts for your work. That's right. Okay. 
Well, I did watch Correct. it, and I rewatched it this week because I just wanted to... That was the only other Julia Davis-written TV show that I've ever seen, and I think that there are some parallels, but I also definitely liked this one a lot more. But yeah, like, it, she looks, you know, like a normal woman, and when she has... When she's playing a character that's not quite so frumpy, she doesn't have that, you know, that horrible, sour face. She, she just seems like a normal person in Sally Forever. But I just think it's so great that actors, specifically actresses in the UK are not only allowed to look like normal women, but they're allowed to look like normal women not wearing makeup. That would be fucking oh, unheard yeah. of. Even for like the hippy dippy character in a show like this, you would still have like perfect skin and way too much eyeliner and mascara and everything on a fucking camping trip. Yep. Anyway, she's so funny. And the fact that in the US version, she's played by Jennifer fucking Garner, who's like so absurdly pretty. She's from like a, an alternate plane of, I don't know, man. It's absurdly pretty and just sweet. And so, yeah, so Fundamentally vulnerable. very sweet and you can't vulnerable. Hate and entire, her. She, no. You can be annoyed no, no, by no, no, her. No. But she's basically, she, no. she's not funny. And it's nothing against Jennifer Garner, just the way that that character is written then. She's just like grown up Marnie. Oh, God, you're fucking <laughs> right? right. Well, also, the thing about camping, not to go into the plot too much before we get to the other characters, mm-hmm. but you do see the trip consistently but kind of slowly unraveling until it finally descends into actual debauched chaos but fiona is really kind of she never loses control she never takes any drugs or gets drunk or is like off her game or takes off her top and screams i'm fun (laughs) right i mean she's um things happen to her (laughs) that are completely psychotic she does get caught up in the really bizarre shit that ends up happening around her but she does not ever let loose whereas a a couple times in the u.s version of camping jennifer garner like takes some adderall and gets all crazy and you see her unwind and she has these tender moments with her son and there's this backstory as to why she's uptight yeah but with fiona there's none of that they waste none of your time it's just like here's who this woman is she's a complete raging bitch and she makes everyone uncomfortable and no one likes her and she couldn't give a fuck and it's funny all right it's It's the same reason that you can't have a comedy about jesus so they had to make a life of brian not about jesus because nice people aren't that funny and she's deeply homophobic she's terrified for her son's health and she's terrified that if she feeds her son mozzarella and baguettes and sun-dried tomatoes i wrote down that quote this is so great i'm so sad that we can't play a clip from this but I'm gonna do my best to recreate it so the first morning that they're all there after they spent their first night there Adam says want any tomatoes we've got stewed or sun-dried and Fiona says stewed are fine for Archie but please not sun-dried thank you Adam says allergy is it Robin says no it's any foods which Fee feels could be vaguely um homosexual and Fiona says yes it's wraps it's quite a few grains apparently um polenta buckwheat um things like that you know but also mozzarella baguettes you know the things that gay people eat and you know they've discovered there's a link so you know he's already showing some of the facial bloating normally associated with profoundly homosexual men that's like the fucking funniest line i've ever heard in my life this poor kid it came out of nowhere i don't know how it was for you but when i'm by myself and i'm watching something sometimes it really takes a lot for me to actually laugh out loud Mm -hmm. sometimes i'll laugh more heartily if i'm with people because then we're all reacting to the same thing i'd be watching this show and like my mouth would be agape (laughs) or i'd be 
really nervous and tense. Yeah. But occasionally there'd be a and I'd be so thrilled to be watching the whole thing, but there'd occasionally be a line that would make me just cackle. Oh yeah. And that was my first cackle oh, 100%. Of, the, of the experience. It's great. Yes. It's yes. so great. Okay, so then the next couple that we meet is Carrie and Adam, who are not married. Adam has been sober for two years. It is planted very early on. It's Chekhov's sobriety that he is. is a recovering alcoholic who hasn't drank for two years since Elizabeth, who we later learn mm -hmm. is his wife, his late wife who drowned. He also has a teenage son, Davy, who is a chronic masturbator, which is something <laughs> that they just will casually cut to. Sometimes you'll see like the tent shaking from the outside just as this nice little interstitial moment that requires mm -hmm. nothing more than that. Carrie, it's interesting because she's Fiona's sister, and she's the complete opposite of Fiona. Fiona is, you know, domineering, very strident, and always gets her way. Carrie is such a such a pushover. She's so downtrodden both by her sister and by her boyfriend, who is just completely unapologetically mean and a jerk, which again is what makes him funny. Oh, yeah. They don't ever try to soften that. No, but you get the sense of it from moment one that he is so mad at her. Just mm -hmm. so annoyed by everything this poor woman does. Yeah. Like, I appreciated that they never bothered explaining that very much either. Yeah. You just kind of get the vibe that he's unhappy and he's a dick about it. Yeah. But you don't know quite why because this Carrie is so sweet. She's a little bit... Maybe a little bit of a bore and maybe a little bit clueless, but yeah. she's not stupid or mean. Right. But he's so annoyed by everything she does. He insults. Doesn't he ask her at one point, did you brush your teeth today? Yeah. He says that her breath is bad. He insults her when she can't open her thermos of tea. And he's like, why'd you bring it if you can't open it? And he's just such a nasty bastard, which is fucking oh, yeah. fantastic. And she's, I mean, that actress is so funny. She's, we've seen her play such a range in just the few things that we've seen her guest star in, but I love her. Elizabeth Barrington, mm -hmm. I will remember that. But um, she's great. She's so good. And what's interesting is that in the American one, like you said, they need to layer on all of this backstory that is completely not necessary and if anything detracts from their relationship. So in that case, it's revealed that Ioni Skye, who's playing this character, who again is like way too gorgeous to play a normal person, she was his late wife's hospice nurse and that's how they got together. They got together like the day of her funeral and ugh, I just don't care. I just don't want to know that shit. No, I don't. also found it interesting you, you refer to Chekhov's sobriety, which is a funny way of putting <laughs> it, because by episode five or six, oh, yeah. Adam is drinking, and you can see yep. that he is a person who should not be drinking Oh yeah, in the U.S. version. The Adam equivalent has a drink in episode two. Oh, that's dumb. So, like, there's no place for that to go. Yeah. Because he then is partying in every single episode. <laughs> And people are going, are you sure you should be doing that? And it's, wh why would you do that? Why would you have the sober guy fall off the wagon in episode two? <laughs> yeah, no, it's really, it's interesting because like you said, how in the British one, the camping trip, it slowly unravels. It's a slow boil, like it simmers for a while. And then it's like bubbling over chaos by the final episode. And, like, the wackiness in the U.S. one is, like, right off the bat. Of course, like, they have to introduce that there's a gun and there's a bear and someone accidentally shoots someone with a tranquilizer dart or something. And it's like, ugh, why? No, just just let it be little bits of, of human behavior and plant the seeds and let them flower naturally over six or eight episodes. You know, ugh. I had this thought. I feel like American shows are allowed to be 
weird and simmering if they're dramas. Like, think about how weird Six Feet Under was. Sure. There's a lot of weird shit going mm-hmm. on there, and some of it some of it whacks you over the head, and some of it just kind of slowly creeps you mm-hmm. out. And that show was hugely popular. Yeah. Also, it was on HBO, and there were parts that made you laugh, and there were parts that kind of terrified you. Yeah, there's more room for ambiguity. Yeah, that will do it in a drama, but not in a in a comedy. Yeah. I don't yeah, get no, that. Yeah, no, it's it's very strange. I, I don't know, man. Um, I also I thought of that line that I love so much from Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, thinking about the American version of this, and the line is, I know writers who use subtext and they're all cowards. And it's like they, they basically took out all the subtext and all of the humor and then, like, added another, a fourth couple for no fucking reason and, like, a lot of ex- oh, explanations no. of, like, well, this is why I'm the way that I am, because I have a sister, and this is because I'm the older sister. I had to grow up, blah, 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 blah. Like, it it adds nothing. It just adds words. So stupid. So are we at the final couple? Oh, yes. Okay. So let's start with Tom. Yes. How would you characterize Tom? Oh, well, Tom is recently separated from his wife, Anne, mm-hmm. and he is now dating Faye. We'll talk about Faye, but he's got this new girlfriend yeah. that he just can't stop making out with. Um, someone asked him at one point when his hair got longer, it sort of implied <laughs> that he had either a transplant yeah. or that he's d- doing the Rogaine thing. He won't stop talking about how his eyes are just open and his life has changed completely yeah. ever since he's left his relationship and he's in this new one. He's someone who's clearly going through a really tough time and he's saying all these things out loud about how wonderful his life is in order to convince himself that that's the truth of of what's happening absolutely he's going through a midlife crisis for sure he's in complete denial about it i love in the line about his hair he they say you're like you know your hair looks different you have a lot more of it he says yeah just exploded back into my life like as if it spontaneously (laughs) grew back Yeah. He's also, you know, in that midlife crisis-y way, you know, he's separated from his wife less than a month ago, apparently because she cheated on him. So he was the one who was initially wronged, but now he's with this other woman. And even though she's not a younger woman, she has the spirit of a much younger woman. She acts much younger than her age. And so he's sort of trying to keep up with her. Mm -hmm. And he says things that I think are things that someone in his age group wouldn't necessarily say. And also that... I think are mostly American-isms. Yes. Things like, all good in the hood. Like, I don't, I've never heard a British person say that. I feel like that would be like if an American person said, like, everything tickety-boo, none of us fucking say that ever. No. That's a weird red flag. There's a scene, too, where Tom is wearing a graphic t-shirt that says San Diego. (laughs) And I thought, whoa, what would be the equivalent of that? Like, if I had a t-shirt on that said... Surrey <laughs> or, or something I don't know just yeah. <laughs> I mean I I've lived in California all my life so I don't know if people internationally think of San Diego as a destination perhaps it is because it's a beach community and there's a theme park there that used to be popular before we learned that all the whales are half dead I won't even speak its name but yeah that kind of cracked me up I'm like whoa where does one get a San Diego t-shirt in in the United Kingdom That's really funny anyhow yeah. But yeah, trying to lean into, I don't know, being hip American, yeah, Californian. Yeah. I think that was probably on purpose. He's clearly very insecure and trying to mask it in that way. And we see that come out again more and more in each subsequent episode. He's with a woman who he perceives to be much hotter than him, more you know, sexually liberated and adventurous, and is 
threatened by how interested in her other men are, which is, you know, with good reason, as mm-hmm. we discover. Mm-hmm. And then finally there's Faye. Who is just a sexual terrorist. Yes. <laughs> I think that, that is, doesn't... That is what she... <laughs> in either the final or penultimate episode, doesn't Adam describe her as, like, a a sexual tornado? Oh, that, Some, something that like works, that. too. Yeah. I love this character because... By the end, I could not tell if... I can't tell when she starts to turn from sort of freewheeling, fun, but selfish, clueless mm-hmm. person to evil mastermind. Yeah. Like, there's this great line that she kind of walks the whole time. Completely. And I think it's so interesting that she plays basically just a less, slightly less crazy version of her exact same character in Sally Forever where she is, again, a very sexy and puts her sex appeal up front. That is her currency. That is the way that she moves through the world. And someone who rescues someone from, you know, midlife boredom and their sexual rut, and then also wreaks complete havoc on their life in a very short amount of time. I think she's a little bit more human in this one than in Sally Forever, where she's completely batshit from pretty much episode one. Yeah. But... Yeah, I, I just have to say a quick word about Julia Davis. Like, I think that she she gives such a great performance in this role. I think that this show is so well-written and so well-crafted and so funny and also so well-directed. Like, there's even comedy just in certain camera angles or cuts. Like, there's, there's humor in the very filmmaking style, which is really impressive. I think she's really, really talented. And also... I, I don't want this to sound insulting. I don't mean it to be in any way uh, a negative comment on her looks or her sexiness or anything. But going back to the comparison between American and British actors and who is allowed on screen, I think it's really, really cool and something that I don't think could happen here that growing up in the UK, she has the sexual confidence to not just one, but in two series that she writes and creates to write a role for herself where she gets to be the sexy one in her fifties, no less. And like, she looks great. Her body is fucking fantastic. I will never look that good. And I'm in my thirties, but like every single woman in the American one is attractive. So like the equivalent of that character isn't like Juliet Lewis. Yeah, yeah. She's not like, oh my god, total sex bomb among a sea of frumpy people wearing oversized sweaters and no makeup. It's just like, oh, she's the one who, because of her attitude, she's more sexy because we see her like skinny dipping in episode one. But it's not like, oh, you're clearly right. like the the total hottie here. Well, American sex symbols, female sex symbols especially, or even just American actors, the attractive ones who are, you know, 99% of who's allowed to be mm-hmm. on screen, they're cyborgs. They're not attractive like human beings are attractive. <laughs> yeah. And because of that, our perception of what's attractive and the way we talk about oh, beauty yeah. is so fucked up. And our perception of ourselves, my God. And our perception of ourselves, because it sounds like an insult now. Like, I remember growing up when Drew Barrymore had her wonderful renaissance after the wedding oh. singer and she had Ever After and Never Been Kissed and Home Fries Yay, and all Drew. those that incredible string of just can we can we do that again um just that incredible string of like drew barrymore movies and i loved her so much i thought she was so beautiful she was my hollywood girl like role model Mm -hmm. i knew nothing of the drug addiction in her past but i like loved her so much and i thought that 
everything was just so on point with the butterflies and the sparkles mm-hmm. and everything she wore. But every magazine said she looks like a normal person. How is that an insult? <laughs> but there's that twinge of clearly she's not Jennifer Aniston, so she gets to be a normal person that all these normies relate to. Yeah. And it's not an insult, but at the same time, it's very much calling out, well, she's definitely not J-Lo. Yeah. And we're not going to just let that slide. We're going to call it out and it's going to be backhanded and weird. It's so fucked up. No, I know. I fucking hate America for our fascist beauty standards. It's disgusting. I mean... I remember a friend of mine was once working on a TV show and was talking to someone who worked in casting for some network, and that casting person said that originally someone was arguing against Kristen Bell being cast in Veronica Mars because she wasn't pretty enough. Like, doesn't that make you want to fucking kill yourself? Like, what? Who is allowed to be, to play a teenage normal girl who is a sleuth and a badass? Like, she doesn't also have to be a fucking Playboy model. Like, fuck that. I am so... I am so disturbed by shows that star, yes, they're young adults, but they're supposed to be teenagers. With perfect hair and makeup. Perfect hair and makeup. And like, they're often banging. Oh, yeah. And you're kind of going, yeah, maybe I'm technically watching legal adults, but they're supposed to be teenagers. And this is supposed to turn me on. Riverdale is upsetting, man. It is upsetting. (laughs) I've I've never dared watch it. You're going to be attracted to Ross Geller's son. (laughs) But like Jughead's teacher molests him or something. And I thought- It's Archie's teacher. Oh, I don't want to watch Archie get molested. That's fucked. I know. I I know. It's (laughs) I grew up, I read those goddamn comics. The last thing I wanted (laughs) to watch Archie be molested. It's really funny when you picture the actual comic book characters, though, I have to say. No, they're- no, no, I know. That could be great. There's like a whole, there's like a stranger danger <laughs> issue. Archie and the stranger danger. Oh my God. It's so true. Oh God. Anyway. Anyway, no, Ju- Julia, Julia Davis is, is beautiful and extremely talented. And she plays this sexual terrorist slash tornado yeah perfectly and um everybody should be allowed to do that yeah that's the thing i mean when i say that she looks like a normal woman she still looks like an attractive normal woman but like have you ever seen a movie star in real life like a real Uh, movie star not just like an actor but someone like Catherine zeta jones or like someone who like is oh my god you instantly in their presence it's like they have their own light coming from within. My mom actually was just in a room with Catherine Zeta-Jones a couple of days ago and like described that phenomenon. I was like, yes, I experienced that with Olivia Wilde once. You just see her and it's like, whoa, you're like not of this realm. It's bizarre. Really? And actors, like there's a difference between an actor and a movie star. And like those yeah. movie stars, like those, you know, those George Clooney's or those Brad Pitt's, like they, it's a very specific sort of charisma and otherworldly beauty and just like feel it's a strange thing i can't quite explain it if you haven't witnessed it firsthand i mean you can still see it on the screen and that's again that's why they're super huge stars but like that shouldn't be a prerequisite to enter the world of being in something you you might not be like top of the a-list but whatever anyway fuck america uk is awesome (laughs) that's my point Anyway, oh, yeah. um, so, so back to, and then, okay, then there's one other person in the main cast, which is Noel, who at first seems like a sort of, you know, mild-mannered, very awkward, reserved person who definitely has some social gaps 
and um, lives with his mother. He runs the farm, right? Yeah. Is that what we would say? Yeah. yeah. He lives with his... It's clear that Elderly she's old, yeah. old and bedridden and he's got to take care of her. Yeah. And you feel terrible for him. I you, felt absolutely you know, horrible for you him. You do. It's very sad. I mean, you see him... It's an interesting little marker of time. You see him out in the back with a clothesline of giant white panties with, like, some shit stains. And then, like, the shit stains grow each time you see him doing that. And then finally... <laughs> In the fifth episode, it's revealed that she has died. And he says, it's almost as if she pooed out her entire body. <laughs> it's, um, it's very it's very disturbing, very scatological. But, um, yes. okay, here's, here's something else that was surprising to me. For a show called Camping, I sort of expected it all to take place in a sort of claustrophobic environment where it was all just on the campsite. I was surprised by how many other locations there are. They go into town, there's a secondhand store, they go on a boat, they go to a pub. There's a lot of different locations. And also, I've never been camping before, so I don't know if this is normal, but the, they're camping, like, right outside of the dude's house. Like, it's, <laughs> they're they're right next to the building. Is that something that is common? Because I expected it to be more, like, isolated trees where there isn't a big house right there. Yeah, I've never heard of paying to camp in, in someone's yard. <laughs> on someone's property. I, I've never heard of that. But I can only speak for what camping is like in Southern California. Sure. Which is, pull on off the freeway, there's the woods, <laughs> yeah. or there's trees and mountains. Sure. Let's go sleep there if you want. Although, of course, there are formal camp sites but even that is like like on a beach or in a designated park and there might be some people who show up on sunday just to kind of make sure that cans are being recycled and fires have been put out but no there's not a weird groundskeeper who makes you food too (laughs) he makes oh god (laughs) something that is uh kind of insane the insane thing about noel actually he gets progressively more dangerous really he he gets yeah. progressively more uh strange and hard to watch at first he's hard to watch because he's kind and he'll try to make conversation but it'll trail off or he'll he'll make it awkward by mentioning his elderly dying mother and then there'll be a deep sigh and a mm-hmm. conversation just kind of dies and then he sort of stalks away yeah but was it more kind of toward the end that he developed that stutter I don't remember him having the stutter from start to finish. Yeah, it's I remember. He, there yeah. were pauses. There were long pauses. But I thought it was more a product of social awkwardness than it was of a speech impediment. Same. But then I kind of feel like toward the end, the stutter gets a lot more pronounced. Interesting, yeah. And I feel like the first time I noticed it was when he was telling Fiona that his mother had a horrible bout of diarrhea. Yeah. Because, like I said, he's been cooking a lot for them. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to tell Fiona that he didn't prepare dinner because mother had a horrible bout Mm -hmm. of diarrhea. And he says, I didn't think you would want me handling the meat. (laughs) <laughs> Which also made me scream with laughter. Oh my god, no, I know. It's so funny. Oh god, but yeah. Oh shit. Alright, now what do we do? It's it's this weird conundrum. I don't want to give away every plot point that happens here and every good joke because I want people to experience it for themselves, but also I know that they can't, so it's like what do we what do we do here? Do we wanna just say stop listening to this episode entirely if you don't want spoilers? <laughs> I don't know. That that might be a, a better idea, Kaylee, actually. Yeah. All right. So now that we have kind of covered the um basic 
basics. We are going to get into a little bit more plot here. And like we said, this will contain spoilers. I still think that it would be a joy to watch the show even after hearing a play-by-play -play of what happens. I agree. There is the American version if you want to do a comparison because we are going to be talking about that one too. But this is a show with a bit of an interesting plot and many twists and turns. And um, yeah. we are going to be spoiling those for you now. Mm -hmm. So... There You've been go. warned. So episode one ends with Faye accidentally hitting a ball into Archie's eye. And Fiona overreacts hilariously. She says, oh, his eye is going to fall out. He's going to be blind. He's going to be a gay blind dwarf. Which is so <laughs> wonderful. So then they she's screaming it. She's screaming bloody murder. It is yes. so fucking funny. Just when people overreact. I think it's the funniest thing ever. Oh, yeah. And no one overreacts like Fee. Oh, yeah. When awkward people lose their shit in real life for stuff that, like, does not matter. Like, I'm laughing on the inside all the time at a lot of the men at my work. Leave that in. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, give me specific examples of people that freak out about dumb shit. Just the overreactions. Well, you know what they say. Can't spell overreaction without testicle. That's my take on it. <laughs> no, it's not true. They say ovary, oh, I... which is also not true, but I mean, from a spelling point of view, but truthfully- Wait, why did you say you can't spell overreaction without testicle if that's it not true? It was a take on, well, it was, okay, so I guess you're not familiar with the common sexist phrase that can't spell overreaction without ovary, which again, from a spelling point is not true because there's a Y. But I've never heard I that in my well, life. Well, I did a twist on it, but if you're not familiar with the original, it just sounds extra dumb, so my bad. <laughs> Uh, anyway. I assumed, which made an ass out of you and me. Here we go. <laughs> or I guess you there, and Ed, since it's in the past tense. There was, there was a kid in my dorm freshman year who got into an argument with a room full of people about the phrase, an assumption makes an ass of you and me, because he was saying, no, it puts an ass in front of you and me. <laughs> oh my god, I wish. And we were all going, but what is that? Time. We were all going, wait, but what, but. But then what happens? Like, what is, what? What we mean, puts an ass in front of you and me. I mean, from a spelling standpoint, that is correct. That was his point. He's like, no, the way you're saying it makes no sense. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's. So episode two, Archie's been taken to a doctor who assures Fiona there is absolutely no damage to Archie's eye. And so Fiona starts asking the doctor about his asthma and his dyslexia and all the other things that she suspects Archie is suffering from. And may I read the line? Please. This was the other fucking chortle that just wrecked me. She says... I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind just having a very quick look at his anus. I'm actually quite concerned that he might have more than one. So good. <laughs> and of course, she's not laughing as she says it. She, she says it in the most firm, I'm convinced this is happening way. Yeah. And it's like, give her a BAFTA just for that. Yeah. And it's have, having to deliver that line. It's again, it's that thing about British comedy. The thing that she's saying is so completely over the top, but because she plays it so straight, it's weirdly more subtle than in the American one when everybody's freaking out but saying things that are a lot more vanilla. Like, interestingly, the American one, 
almost exactly copies every single beat of the British one, just like makes it sort of watered down. Uh, because again, American TV writers don't trust American audiences the way that British mm-hmm. ones do. And again, and you can't have the uh, Catherine is her name in the U.S. one be too unsympathetic. So you get rid of all of the homophobia and everything. And instead of having her talk about her son's anus, she instead turns it on herself, which I actually think makes her less sympathetic. She is convinced that she's dying, and so she needs to have all of these tests and scans run because of all the stress that she's just had from seeing her boy get hit in the face. Mm-hmm. It's just not funny. I don't know. No. Yeah. I'm just convinced that, and I don't know if this would count, but I'm just kind of convinced that they could have actually just taken the script, changed the British references to American ones, go. <laughs> or, <laughs> or, better yet, just fucking put the British one on HBO and then we could all see it. Because they did that. I mean, they didn't try to remake Sally Forever, which also ran on HBO. They just they just let it air as is because there is an audience yeah, for weird fuck? British comedies here. Yeah. What the hell, man? Yeah. I don't think I don't think that a remake is always necessary. I mean, again, like thinking about the American office. I I had a good hard think about that show again after seeing this one and seeing how this, like the first season of The American Office, is a sort of a shameless trace job. And like I've said before that The American Office is not my cup of tea, but I will concede that it is tea as opposed to liquid dog shit in a teacup. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I what? you can adapt. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say I'm very proud of you. Oh, thank you. I've grown. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can tell. I can see it. You're glowing. Oh, thank you. Just like a movie star. <laughs> no, just like a normal person, because I look like a fucking normal person, and that's why I'm not allowed on American TV. I've got a face for podcasts. You do then have the doctor looking or shining a, a light mm-hmm. at Archie's bum, and he says, I just think it's a very long anus. <laughs> To which Fiona says, have you come across this kind of elongated anus before? Mm -hmm. And then he assures her like, no, it'll probably just uh, stop growing. Maybe it'll get longer as he ages, but it won't be a big deal. It's it's so stupid. And then he says like, well, no one's going to be looking at it. And she's like, well, one hopes. And it's again, it's a little bit of homophobia. But at first I was like, does she hope that her son never has a a sexual partner who likes to eat ass? Because women can do that too. Just saying. So then meanwhile, while Fiona and Archie and Robin are in the hospital, that leaves the other adults to wander around town. Tom and Faye go into a secondhand shop where they look at a bunch of different wares and ask the proprietor a bunch of questions about different things. And this scene, it really feels improvised. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They keep asking questions about a bunch of different things. Faye's very interested in all of these... um doohickeys that used to belong to the drummer from Def Leppard. They're talking about Def Leppard. Mm -hmm. And then there's this ring that's beautiful Mm -hmm. and Faye really, really likes it. Mm -hmm. And then when asked, you know, how much it is, the guy says 500 pounds. So he's not going to buy the ring. But Tom and Faye end up going at it Mm -hmm. in a changing room because Tom's going to try on some lederhosen. (laughs) And um, then Faye ends up blowing him. And they're a bit loud and they end up getting kicked out and Tom is super apologetic because he has to go back in and get his wallet. And it's awkward. Yes. And he says, is, is there anything I can do? I'll be willing to do anything. And the shopkeeper says, well, she really liked that ring, mm-hmm. which is important later because Faye finds it 
in his bag and assumes, mm-hmm. oh, he's proposing to me. She pulls a Sophie. And the way Tom just rolls the fuck over as she says, as she puts it on her engagement ring finger and then announces to everybody we're engaged mm. is so, ugh. Yeah. I die. I cringe. Completely. I also love the way that Tom describes her because this is something that, you know, as a smart girl who isn't sexy, I'm very attuned to this sort of talk of the double standard between sexy women and non-sexy women because Tom is talking while she's off playing with the kids. He's talking to other adults and he says, she's seriously clever and not, not you know, that boring clever, but I mean, she's bright. She is bright. Yeah, I mean, she's not, she's not you know, in your face, I'm a scientist clever, but I mean, she's got street smarts and Robin offers emotional intelligence and Tom says, exactly, thank you, exactly. Uh, and then uh, Fiona says, is that intelligence though? And Tom says, I mean, it's not artificial intelligence, you know, this is the real thing. And I was like, fuck, that's... <laughs> Yep, stupid girls who have, like, hot bodies and uh, put it all out there. They they get labeled as smart, and it fucking pisses me off. But it's so, you know, it's really, really funny. <laughs> it's great dialogue. You think that sexy girls get labeled as smart? I mean, I think that there is a double standard. It's, okay, so there's actually, there's a great moment in an Amy Schumer comedy special where she was talking about, what's the fucking, like, swimsuit model? Oh, it's, it's, you've told this story to me before, but you, you should tell it. It's uh, Kate Upton. Kate Upton, yeah, yeah. I think that, I forget what the context was, but, like, Amy was hanging out with her male friend, and they also encountered her in, like, I don't know if it was a bowling alley or a pool hall or table tennis or something like that, and uh, the male friend said, like, she's actually really funny, and then Amy's like, what? What? And then uh, she said, can you give me an example? And he says, yeah. I said, like, let's play whatever the game was that they were going to play, and then she said, prepare to lose. And it's like, that's, that's what passes for hot girl funny. And so similarly, hot girl smart, it's a, it's a different, they're graded, they're graded on a curve, a curve, right. like, okay. like a booby curve. Well, it sucks because I feel that sexy women are also often just labeled as unintelligent because, wait a second, she's giving me a boner. She can't possibly also be smart. That would be way too much <laughs> energy oh, sure. I, I get for that. me to put into paying attention to this person. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it sucks. You you just can't win if you're if you're a woman. How about that? Truth. You just can't No, you win. absolutely can't. Yeah, I know. Obviously, women get dismissed because they are too sexy or they are wearing inappropriate clothing. It just happens to be the clothing that fits their bodies. Like, I, I definitely were familiar with that end of it as well. But I just think that it's an interesting thing. The way that men will especially if they sense that they're being judged by peers for dating someone who's maybe not that bright and whose main thing that she brings to the table is just her sexuality they will sort of try to you know pump up the rest of her attributes and artificially inflate them i don't know that's they're either too smart (laughs) sometimes they're just plain stupid other times they're just evil. other times they're just evil oh my god Faye's all of those things no it is true like Faye. Faye doesn't really bring much to the table other than being sexy and the fact that she, like, has drugs. Mm-hmm. I mean, she she does... I mean, she ends up hitting him in the face, but she does try to make friends with Archie mm-hmm. a little bit, and she does try to get people to have more fun because Fiona is sort of yeah. trying to prevent everyone from having fun. Mm-hmm. So she, you can see how she's the breath of fresh air, maybe, that the trip needs. Yeah. But she also is super destructive Mm -hmm. and does not care if everything goes tits up because if she's bored she's gonna go ahead and ruin 
stuff for the sake of her own childish little amusement. Yeah. But people try to justify that as it being, ooh, just so whimsical and, and mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas yeah. in the American version, Juliette Lewis's character really is just kind of whimsical and fun. She's not evil at all. Yeah, and she does have emotional intelligence, and she tries to help the women deal with their issues. Whereas in this one, I mean, I, I get the sense that in the American one, she can be a girl's girl. Whereas in this one, I think that one of the first sort of flashes of sociopathy that we see from her is in episode four, when Tom's wife, Anne, it is revealed early on in the episode, is in a coma after she took an overdose trying to kill herself. And so after receiving this news, he's, you know, obviously very flustered and upset and his mind is going in a million different directions. And then Faye in that same scene says, oh, this is terrible. I just feel like all the women here hate me. Mm -hmm. And then he's thrust into the position of, you know, having a wife in a coma with whom he separated less than a month ago. And having to console her and say, no, well, Adam loves you and Robin likes you. And she's like, well, guys always love me, but the women hate me. And it's like, yeah, well, you reap what you sow, maybe. I fucking can't stand that shit. Yeah. I fucking can't stand that shit. I can't stand it whenever they say it on Vanderpump Rules. I'm not a girl's girl. I'm a guy's girl. Oh, honey, you're only hurting yourself. Because as someone who has two brothers Mm -hmm. and who sort of had to learn how to get along with boys, it's not a superpower. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't make me more interesting just because I know how to get along with guys. Oh, completely. That does not make me a super... That's fucked up. Like, the idea that you are a woman who gets along better with women somehow making you inferior, like, that fucking sends me into a rage, man. And here's the other thing, is that they're, you know, even if you do get to be a guy's girl, their acceptance of you is still conditional, and they will never actually see you as one of the guys. It's sort of like, um, this is an interesting comparison, but it's like, um, like, Jewish people and white people... Like, yeah, mm. we, we pass as white people, and so, yeah, we can we can be maybe less hated than people with more melanin, sure. But when there's no other people of color around, then uh, we're the ones that, that the KKK wants to fucking kill. So, so like, it's, it's not a trade worth making, is my point. I think it's mm-hmm. better to identify with the underdog and to lift one another up, whether that means, you know, being better to people of color because, you know, first they came for whatever and I said nothing, or whether that means, like, lifting up other women and not depending solely on male approval as the metric of your worth, because that's fucking bullshit. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, oh my god, sorry, there's a huge bug and I have no idea where it came from. <laughs> oh, do what you gotta do. I, I wish I could help. Oh god, I wish so too. It's like not doing anything. I don't even know where the fuck... Ah, okay, you know what? We'll just... <laughs> if I suddenly... <laughs> it's, it's not moving. Oh, I wish Jamo were here. What? What is it? I don't know. It's sort of like a beetle kind of thing. I have no fucking idea. Do you have a vacuum cleaner or something? Oh no, I don't want to kill it, but I don't want it to move and jump on me. Um, oh. you know what? This is this is authentic. This is like the true camping experience. There's bugs in camping and there's a bug in this fucking episode. So let's just roll with it, man. Keep talking. <laughs> I've killed so many bugs lately. I feel terrible. Yeah, I don't want to feel terrible. Oh, it's moving its antenna. I don't want to. I just want to like be elsewhere. Uh, I hope it can't fly. I don't want to laugh at you, but I love the way you're just kind of like scooting your chair out and then leaning your neck forward so that you can still speak into your microphone. You're allowed to laugh all you want, man. This is this is pretty funny. Oh my god. Where the fuck did that come from? 
I mean, like, it's not a scary, but like, it's not a cockroach. Thank God, knock on all the wood. It's not a bed bug. It's not going to hurt me. It's not even a spider. It's just like, what are you? And is it brown? Wither, yeah. Okay, it's like a big old water bug or something. I've I've had those in my apartment before. I think I vacuumed one I the other never night. Never have waiting on. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna take a picture and text it to you because. Oh, okay. This is great. What were we talking about? I've forgotten everything. I got all I got all primal and scared. Well, we were talking about the idea of a uh, girls, girls versus guys, oh, girls. Oh yes, 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 of course. And I was saying I hate that. Like it's twofold. I yeah, I hate the idea that you know just hanging out with. Okay, here's the bug. Hold up. Do you know what that is? Is he on top of a beret? Or no, that's your microphone. It's it's my headphone headphone (gasps) case. Look at this prehistoric motherfucker. Where did it fucking come from? I don't even know. He's kind of beautiful. I know, that's why I don't want to kill it. But like, what the fuck are you? And where are you? What's your end game, dude? There's nothing here for you. There's nothing for you here. (laughs) There's nothing for you here. Well, I don't know. He he might feast off of um, your dead skin cells. Oh, charming. I mean, it's an insect. It's... It's often what they do. Okay. See, this is why I, I don't something... go camping. I can't even handle the shit that already lives in my apartment with me. My little six-legged roommate. Something tells me that in a few days or weeks, you're going to be uh, sweeping up this guy's uh, dead body. You assume I sweep. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably why I have bugs. So anyway, Faye, that's one of the first moments where you see her being so selfish and so narcissistic that she's completely oblivious to anybody else's pain or legitimate concerns. Yeah, and in that episode, Tom finally does resolve to go back to London and see his family. Mm -hmm. And Faye is going to come with him. We're jumping ahead a little bit, but I think that's okay if I I do say so myself. There's been an interesting energy between Faye and Adam, Mm -hmm. the guy in recovery. Now, Adam, as we said earlier, he's sort of inexplicably just... I'm sorry, cunty. He's just kind of a, a dick asshole. Completely. All of the gross words. He's he's all of those things. He's a complete jerk. Mm-hmm. And he won't get excited about anything. He, he keeps making fun of his his lovely girlfriend. Are you okay? I'm great. I'm just, uh, don't, don't worry about it. I just don't want to like suddenly get freaked out and, and like accidentally pull my microphone away. So I'm just going to like move the microphone. <laughs> keep, keep talking, please. Okay, yeah, sure. Again, he seems entirely too angry at everything Carrie says or does and he's he's just a dick and sometimes he's a straight shooter in a fun way mm-hmm. and other times he's just really really cruel and so he and Faye he seems not really nice to her and you mm-hmm. go oh shit you know he's either gonna try it on with her or we're gonna learn that they have a past because they seem to have a kind of connection behind their eyes and so Faye and Tom are on this train. They're going to go check on Anne in the coma and check on Tom's children, who he <laughs> refers to very seldomly. And it's always funny when someone kind of reminds him that he has kids. Yes. Because at one point he says, Anne's got kids. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you mean your kids? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, but Faye gets a text from Adam that says, please don't leave. And so she just gets up and Tom assumes she's going to the, the drinks car and says, you know, will you bring me back a Coke or whatever? And then Faye just says, yeah, and just bounces, just gets mm-hmm. the fuck off the train yeah. <laughs> without a word. And, you know, pathetically, at the top of the next episode, Tom's back on the train just in the opposite direction. He couldn't face seeing Anne. He's, he's coming back to the campsite and he forgives her really mm-hmm. quickly. But it's just a... 
damn so first you really make it about you that there's a woman in a coma Mm -hmm. and you you make it about how cute and fun you are Mm -hmm. and then on top of that you are going to now ditch this person who you made it appear that you were going to go support him but Mm -hmm. you don't and you don't even respect him enough to say i can't do this yeah you don't even respect him enough to say that you're gonna just straight up bounce Mm -hmm. fantastic yeah and she is forgiven she is ultimately forgiven by this pathetic guy immediately yeah yeah, what's, what's interesting is that this is a show that depicts three different couples, none of whom is functioning for the long term at all, even if mm-hmm. for the short term, for the three or so days that this show takes place over. And it seems like in episode maybe four or five, it sort of appeared for a minute that Julia Davis was teeing up for them all to switch partners. And I thought that that was interesting and I was kind of anticipating that. And then in episode six is when everything goes to hell and everything, it doesn't just twist in a way that's like maybe surprising, but inevitable. It completely tilts and everything gets burned to the fucking ground. And it's really yeah. unexpected and interesting. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, there's a moment, there's a tender moment with Carrie and Robin. Those are the two sweetest people. They're the only two people who are at all nice besides the children. And she's, Carrie's crying because Adam's just done or said something really horrible to her. There is a moment where they both sort of acknowledge each other's sweetness and then they kiss. Um, and you think, oh man, maybe, maybe they're going to switch partners, but they don't. Nothing comes more of it than that. No, it's it's actually really sweet. Like, they finally have the birthday party for Robin, and mm-hmm. everybody gets shammered, and Adam falls off the wagon, and then Faye just, like, gives Robin a freaking ecstasy tab without mm-hmm. telling him what it is. He, actually, yeah. she tells him it's for headaches. Yes. So, yeah, everything's completely devolved, and, yeah, they have this kiss, and then Carrie immediately apologizes and says, I'm drunk, and Robin's just like, oh, well, good. And then they go back to being friends. And it's it's like the first time that Robin's been kissed in years. It's the first time anyone's oh. shown him any physical affection or even just looked into his eyes and said, you're a great person. And, mm-hmm. and yet he doesn't act on it. Yeah. So there's that couple that doesn't quite get to be. And then, of course, we said there's a lot of raging sexual tension between Adam and Faye, who are, like, the two hot ones there. They're the two mm-hmm. who care the least about anybody else's well-being, so they're, they're total narcissists and assholes. And also, like, the way that they're cast, they're, like, the, the most fuckable on paper. Which is interesting because, again, in the U.S. version, like... Why is the Adam character so much less hot than the Walt character or the other? Who's David Tennant being American, which is weird. Um, I don't know. I mean, don't cast David Tennant in in anything if he's supposed to be unfuckable. Because I know, I know, my dude, that, that mean, man. It's, it's not that he's unfuckable. It's just that he's not like the hot one. Like the, I don't know, Adam. In order for his assholery to be at all attractive, you have to cast like a you know an alpha man and everybody else has to be total beta oh yeah no no no. they, they totally did that adam is the alpha man every single look he makes you're kind of afraid of him he's always got a cigarette and he's just scowling at everybody <laughs> yeah there's a real sense of danger with him that is of course fully unleashed when he starts drinking again but like it's always kind of menacing just beneath the surface for the rest of it and um oh god There's a moment in the last episode, so in town at the beach, Davy, his teenage son, 
has met a girl named Lisa and they have this sweet little awkward flirtation where he invites her to his uncle's birthday party, which is like such a boring, like we're having a party at my campsite. Will you come? And it's like, there's going to be like six boring, awful adults. And like, this is this poor yes. little girl. But she says yes. And then after things have already sort of gone to hell on the day, she passes by a very drunk Adam and he's peeing. And she asks if Davy's here, like, is this where the party is? And there's such a, it's terrifying. You're thinking, oh my God, is he going to like rape this girl? He he says something like, oh, you want to peek at the pork or something like that? And it's, you're going to laugh at me, but it made me think of Sweeney Todd <laughs> in the final sequence when Joanna comes into the barbershop disguised as a sailor and Sweeney catches her and doesn't know that it's his daughter that you know that he's been looking for and that has set this whole crazy plot in motion and you think oh no he's gonna slit his own daughter's throat it's sort of like oh no he's gonna like you know do something really creepy to his son's love interest because he's just out of control and he doesn't know her significance i, I worried for her safety that very makes much. way more sense than what i was thinking of that what were you thinking way- of <laughs> well just because sweetie's a butcher <laughs> or wait he's a barber he's a barber i'm fucking stupid <laughs> you're not stupid <laughs> i can understand how you'd even, be confused they don't even make pork pies man it's people it's people i'm an pies. idiot i know oh my god yeah so we're talking about the last two episodes now which is yeah. robin's birthday party and it's when things go to hell with the drugs and and the alcohol and mm-hmm. it can be so tricky to do that because it seems like in a bad series, people try mm-hmm. to use it as a cure-all. Yeah. Oh, how, how can we make this scene funny? Get everyone drunk. And yeah, it's, raise the it's not true in life, and it's only sometimes true in art. Maybe it's sometimes true in life, too. But I don't know. It, it's so cheap. It's so easy. And in again, in the American version, they do it more than once. Mm-hmm. So by the end, you know, in the original version, the claustrophobia reaches this crazy peak and everyone becomes seriously unpredictable everything that's been simmering beneath the surface the entire time you're afraid that it's all going to come out because everybody's now intoxicated you can see why this is now an important part of the story is the fact that all of these pissed off irritated complicated people are now free to speak their truth and act on all these things they've been secretly wanting to do that's remained unspoken absolutely but if you do that in every episode, <laughs> you're going to be numb by the end. You, mm-hmm. We've already seen one of the couples get stoned together in the U.S. version before the party. We've seen what's-her-fucking-name take the Adderall and get all goofy. Mm-hmm. And everybody goes to a bar and gets shmammered in episode two. Yep. Why would you then think it's going to work again? More is more, Stephanie. Didn't you get the memo of America? <laughs> I mean, that's one thing when it comes to motherfucking French fries, because I will eat all the French fries. I believe you mean freedom fries, dude. Motherfucking George W. Bush and all of his asshole followers thinking that the French have never done anything for us. They helped (laughs) us win the Revolutionary War because they hated the British that much. What have the French ever done for us? The Revolution? Oh, well, the Revolution, obviously. Sorry, go on. (laughs) The French have done a fucking lot for us, and the Statue of Liberty was a present. (laughs) Anyway... Anyway, <laughs> but it's funny when when you treat the idea of, you know, getting all of your characters shit faced, if you treat it seriously, um, I was afraid 
I thought, oh no. Yeah. What are they going to do? I was actually afraid That's, of, what, of what might happen. The way that you put it just now was perfectly, if you treat it seriously. It reminds me, when we were in high school doing improv together, my mom was our improv coach. And she would say, if someone pulls a gun on you in a scene, act like they've pulled a fucking gun on you. You can't just be blasé about that shit. That's terrifying. That totally changes the dynamic of what is happening. And it's the same thing with drugs and alcohol with writing. It's, it's, you can't just be like, oh, well, this thing that happened didn't really mean anything. It's just needlessly upping the ante, but not really in a way that is actually felt by the characters in the scene. Yeah. Um, should we talk a little bit about the dynamic between Noel and Fiona that oh. changes the Oh my god, let's. First of all, okay, something about this show is that there is, I won't say a lot of male nudity, but a lot compared to most things, which is none. You see the ass of every single man in the main cast who is an adult, and the dicks of half of them, and it's not always a welcome sight. Put it, no. Put that out there. Ooh. Yeah, I don't need to see another naked man for a long time. Speak for your damn self. <laughs> I did, and I will. <laughs> um, so is it episode three or four when Fiona has to sit out the activities for the day because she has a migraine? I believe it's episode three because isn't that when they're on the fishing trip? Yeah, so she says that she's got a migraine, which is really, really cute. I love every mm -hmm. time she says migraine. Mm -hmm. And Faye recommends that she, like, have an orgasm because mm -hmm. that can soothe uh, migraine pain. Mm -hmm. Now, as a person who has suffered migraines, I can tell you, the last thing you're thinking about is trying to whack off when you're in that much pain. Hmm. But uh, mild headaches are different, eh? Anyway, so that episode ends with Fiona in her tent and she's got an eye mask on and she just looks miserable and she's in her sleeping bag. She's completely covered, but you see her hand reach into her sleeping bag and you see her start kind of moving it up and down. She's touching herself and Noel peeks his head in through the opening of the tent flap and just watches Fiona masturbate. And it's not sexy they don't play it for that it's very medical it's clinical mm -hmm. the way that she's touching herself she's making her little sounds hilarious her face is hilarious it's not porny she's, she's making, grimacing yeah she's she's like not enjoying it she's just kind of getting through it and yeah. noel just watches the whole time and he starts kind of panting in a way that's very off-putting and it's oh, your yeah. first glimpse of oh noel you're you're gross. I thought you were just sort of sad, but you're you're gross. And from yeah. then on, Fiona must be his. Yeah. At a certain point, this goes from being a comedy to a dark comedy to a full-on horror movie. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. So, yeah. So, let's talk about Noel. He, you know, is enchanted by watching the utterly merciless Fiona masturbating through her tent flaps. And then... Mm -hmm. In episode five. <laughs> Anywho. Anyway, keep, keep going. So then episode five ends with him telling her that his mother has died and like awkwardly trying to get a hug and then inviting her into the house. And so then episode six begins with him telling her about it. And then while they're sitting there, he tells her that he saw her rubbing and making lovey noises in her tent. And she immediately starts to get creeped out, as any woman would, because we've been in that kind of situation before. Not that exact one, hopefully. But, um, but you know, her alarm bells are ringing, and she tries to make a hasty exit. And then he corners her 
and starts kissing her and assaulting her. He jams his hand down her pants and says the incredibly disturbing line, Mummy's stinky was bald. And yeah. it's horrifying. He's really, um, yeah, it's it's really horrifying. This, this part is not at all funny. It's, he says Mummy's stinky was bald, and then she escapes to, like, the bathroom. Yeah, and she tries to escape through the window, but the window is just one of those things that opens out from the top, and it's too small for her to put anything but her head into. And this is the first time in the whole series that you feel really, really bad for Fiona, because even though she's a monster within her own family dynamic, she, doesn't, her deserve friends, she doesn't deserve that. No one does. She doesn't deserve this. And she the really way that, doesn't. It's so sad. And Noel, like, shoves himself against the door... And he says, I like stinkies. He keeps talking about stinkies. It's It's really, it's really upsetting. He really felt like he could be from Royston (laughs) Basie. Okay, because he looks like Edward. He looks like I know, no, I know. He looks like someone that Reese would play. It's he looks like Edward. And and by the way, he has lured Fiona into his house because he ran and told her mummies died. And that's when they're sitting and having a cup of tea and he has the line about how she pooed her whole body out. Mm-hmm. But then when he starts trying to molest her, I was kind of going, are you telling me there's a dead body in this house? Yeah. Has no one called a coroner? Or I don't know if you call a coroner, but you would call an ambulance. You would call 911. You would call someone for the removal of this fucking dead body that's in your house. Yeah. Well, see, at first when he said that, I wasn't even sure that he was telling the truth. And since we never see the mother, I mean, we only see her underpants. We wonder, is she, does she exist or has she already been dead for a long time? And that's where it gets super Norman Batesy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had the same thought. However, before... Oh, okay. So then it cuts to, you know, it's trying to balance between all the various storylines and everything heading towards a crazy climax at the end. And so when we cut back to Fiona and Noel, she thinks, okay, finally, he's gone away. She tries to make her escape through the bathroom door. She opens the bathroom door and he is standing there naked. And I don't mean to body shame a 60-something-year-old actor, but it's really disturbing and awful. Just the his stance and what he's doing with his muscles and the, the angles from which we see every angle of this poor we, man's body. We do. Although, I mean, look, it's the from behind in, one that I was upset by. I wasn't into it. I want to, I will not stand <laughs> to be disparaged. I will not be accused of enjoying the sight of this man's naked body because he's in his sixties. All right. I want to say that at the top. No, we've established if he were 45 and wearing Prada shoes, you'd be, down to clown, but uh... I would be splitting that sea bass. But <laughs> I, I was actually kind of more impressed by how incredibly ripped he was. Oh, he, but no, 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 but not in a good way. He had like it was intimidating. It wasn't sexy. It, no, you're right. He, it was menacing. He, he was an imposing figure. He's like barrel chested, really ripped like and by that i mean built very buff very defined muscles but yeah it was incredible that he was contorting his body in a way that made that super gross not that it was if scary. i had to choose any male character on that show to see naked noel would be a firm like last place on my list I, oh yeah again I'm, I'm because he's so gross but you're looking at this body and you're like Okay, your body's kind of you're kind of in incredible shape, dude. Like how'd you how'd you do that? But he's such a good actor. He's got this weird posture and he's doing his strange like this growling thing. Yeah. And, and he really does look he makes himself into a creature. He makes himself into a feral 
creature that you need to run away from. Oh, yeah. It's it's very yeah. disturbing and skillful. Um, mm-hmm. I watched that scene with my mom, man. That was not... Neither of us was happy to be seeing that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, well, um, and I, I remember I was I was writing to you in real time as I was watching it because minutes before this, Faye has lured both Tom and Adam into mm-hmm. the bathroom with uh, drugs. I think at one point they're in there mm-hmm. kind of just to snort cocaine off a toilet seat, and yeah. um, Faye has sort of cuckolded Tom in a PG thirteen way previously they're at a bar and like she lets some guys kind of dance with her in a sexy way while (laughs) he's awkwardly trying to cut in in his lederhosen it's very funny he's just an awkward lonely man in lederhosen whose own girlfriend is ignoring him so that's kind of happening again she's sort of flirting with adam and tom's awkwardly there and then it starts to get a little bit sexy like she's gonna try for a threesome and she makes them kiss each other and I was, I was writing to Kaylee and I'm going, uh, once again, I'm watching a certain scene in camping and I just happen to be holding a glass of rosé <laughs> because I do enjoy watching boys kiss each other. And by boys, I mean men. I mean men. Um, and then it fucking cuts to naked Noel. And I, I'm going, okay. Any glimmer of hope I had of uh, there being a little bit of uh, eroticism there has been just dashed. Quite quite the lady boner killer. Yes. 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 I will say, though, on the subject of dancing, several of my favorite moments, and this is something that, you know, even if we could play audio clips, we wouldn't have any way of sharing with you over this podcast, but some of my favorite moments, anytime someone dances on this show, it is fucking hilarious. There's the moment in the pub where Tom is trying to get in with Faye and those two other men. There's um, this really awkward egg and tomato dance that Robin and Fiona do at the party where they're wearing these like shiny spandexy onesies and it's the most awkward fucking thing. I I don't even know. Is that like a traditional thing in England <laughs> or is it just their own weird family tradition? I have no idea. Yeah, they have this song about being an egg and a tomato and then they, and then they do a dance. But it's also, I had the same thought because it's the way Fiona says, and now it's time for Robin and I to do the egg and tomato song as if that's something everybody knows. Yeah, no, it's, it's very strange. It's very strange. Yeah. And then there's a great moment when um, early on when you can just sort of see the sexual tension between Adam and Faye simmering. She's sitting and singing a song about like, she's a spider. And sit down beside or whatever and he and he starts like joining in and lending percussion and it's so funny and so awkward and then my favorite Noel moment this is before he becomes like a straight up horror serial killer villain is that everybody has left the barn where the festivities are taking place except for Fiona who's like drinking by herself and suddenly Rick Astley's never gonna give you up comes on and he does the most hilarious bad dancing my mom and I were cackling when he kicked his legs like it's oh god listeners I wish you could find a way to see this because it's so good it's so I did not so know good. what to do in that moment it was I... just such an overload of hilarity <laughs> well I plus it's like I'm sitting in a dark room <laughs> by myself like yeah to do but um yeah that was one of my favorite moments as well like it's just as to me as far as like great awkward dance sequences go I mean I of course I think about David Brent I, I think about oh, Jeff yes. and Steve doing the Spider-Man dance like it's it's up I think there. about Rainbow it's, Rhythms yeah 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 it's so good <laughs> 
Oh man. So back to the to the threesome thing. There's an interesting yeah. sort of power dynamic and shift there where yeah. Faye suddenly becomes very cruel and says, "How about a blowjob?" and Tom says, "Yeah, all right." And she says, "Okay, go on then." And she means for him to give one to Adam. And he you you can feel so bad for him. There's just so much humanity and sadness and fear in his eyes and he says I, I don't want to do this and then she says well either you do or I will and because he doesn't want to see his lady blow another man before him he drops to his knees and she forcefully pushes his head and it gets really again very assaulty it's gross. and very oh it's she's a horrible person this episode is where it gets really disturbing and not so much funny because there's a lot of really rapey shit going on but it's still it's always interesting i'm always very curious to see what happens next speaking of uh rapey and Faye. Should we talk about Faye and Robin? Yes. Okay. That's why I say sexual terrorist, man. Because, mm-hmm. like, these men are complicit. They're grown men. But no, no, no one deserves to be tricked into blowing someone they don't want to blow and then being forced to... I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I say they're complicit because they, they see all these warning signs and they're ignoring them. But yeah, mm-hmm. that doesn't change the fact that it is kind of an assault. But... The way that Faye can just sort of masterfully cyclone through this party and yeah. systematically humiliate everyone. Carrie can see that Adam is sort of following Faye around a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, she follows them into the bathroom at one point to, to take some drugs. She doesn't really want to take drugs, but yeah. she can see that Adam is paying this woman a lot of attention and she wants to be game for a laugh. Sure. And so she does a line of what she thinks is cocaine. And then Faye realizes later, oh, I gave her ketamine. Mm-hmm. She's probably having a crazy time. And then you see Carrie curled up in the fetal position, like crying, zonked out of her mind in a k-hole it's terrible and so as i mentioned she gives poor drunk robin ecstasy telling him that it's aspirin or whatever then robin and Faye end up in the bathroom together at one point and we've already seen robin get kissed by carrie Mm -hmm. and resist her and forgive her so all around mature dude not cheating on his partner and also not screaming at this woman who kisses him in a moment of her own weakness. But Faye, like, sort of literally leads Robin by the dick. Like, she mm-hmm. she grabs his crotch and leads him into the shower? Is it a shower? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's not quite... It's still... It's very not okay, but it's not as if she actually grabs it. Basically, he's, like, sitting there sort of nuzzling her, and, like, he's crying because Fiona won't let him touch her, and he says, I just want to make her happy. She's so unhappy. And it's it's so heartbreaking, and you feel so bad for him. And then that's when she reaches down and starts to rub his dick through his pants, and he yes. responds positively. Again, he's under the influence, and, and he hasn't been touched there by anybody else in seven years. And he says, oh, your fingers are so nice. It's like a butterfly's landed on my willy. He becomes very, like, creepily childlike. In It's creepy. It's, it's very, creepy. It's very creepy. His voice gets really high. And then she gets up once she's, you know, given him a stiffy and then walks. And then he follows her. She's not leading him by the dick, but he says, okay. my, my willy's going toward you. Oh, now it's in you. And like, they they start having sex. It's, uh, oh, it's, it's so a, sad. It's so sad. It's all of three seconds. Mm-hmm. And again, he does respond positively. He mm-hmm. does put his dick inside of her. Mm-hmm. But 
you just kind of see on her face that she didn't really like want to have sex with Robin. She just wanted to screw with everyone. Mm-hmm. She did it just for the sake of knowing that she could. It's not that she really wanted to have affairs with any of these men necessarily. Kind of Tom included. Oh, yeah. They go from being crazy about each other to very quickly not. It's a real blow to her ego when when Tom admits that he wasn't actually proposing to her. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like that's the beginning of her completely falling apart and just seeking revenge yeah. by ruining the weekend for absolutely everyone no that's completely true i remember feeling really really heartbroken when robin did it with her yeah yeah it's so interesting it's like in episode five i feel like everything is sort of building to something and then that's when julia pulls the rug out and knocks everything down and completely subverts every expectation that you could have it's a total zag so then the way that the show ends is when it gets even weirder I mean, first of all, I'll say the one bit of a happy ending is that Carrie drives off with Davy and leaves Adam behind. And that's like, okay, I have hope that the two of them can start a new life together without this toxic person in their lives. And good for Carrie for finally growing a spine and leaving that shit behind. That's that's like the good, the, the best of these three couples. Oh, yeah. And then the other thing that happens is Robin and Fiona and Archie are driving off in the car and Robin quickly confesses. Uh, I fucked her. F- what? What is the exact line? It's like I fucked her. Fee, fay, I f- fee, fee, I fucked Faye. Faye and I fucked. It's it's like a fun little sort of tongue twister confession of his infidelity, and then she starts crying, and that's the second time that you feel really bad for her, and it's sort of unclear what's going to happen with them. Fiona doesn't just start crying. She reaches for Robin and grabs his hand. Yes, that's right. Really firmly, and he looks so touched by that yeah he's literally being touched by her but he looks so relieved yeah and she cares i felt relieved i kind of thought oh i mean who hears i cheated on you and and then you immediately reach for that person you you, you'd think that if you were really disgusted Mm -hmm. and feeling betrayed you would want to shrink away but the fact that she finally reaches for him and grabs his hand and starts crying yeah i don't know i mean it's completely up for interpretation. It is completely yeah. ambiguous, but I took it to be hopeful. No, I guess I did too. I actually, I had meant to, I mean, I can't, I can't rewatch it. So I didn't make a note of that, but I wasn't sure if that had happened in both versions or just in the American one, the hand reaching. Did, I'm glad that you confirmed that because, okay, I, I was going to ask you. That's good. Yeah, that is definitely then hopeful. And it's a bit of catharsis for them because the two of them haven't been able to connect at all. And now it's possible that maybe they will be able to move through this and become closer at the end um who mm-hmm. knows but yeah that's like the second happiest ending <laughs> and then and then now this was something i didn't see coming despite the evidence same I really yeah didn't. so fiona when, when she's trying to escape being sexually assaulted by still naked noel she accidentally realizing that she's forgotten her son there she backs up the car and she hits tom and so tom falls to the ground she drives off Noel comes out and gets him and he says, can you call uh, an ambulance? And Noel says, like, stuttering, would you like some hot chocolate or whatever? And it's like, oh, no, this poor man is just left to this total psycho. So the next day, I guess, is when this happens. We see Faye and she's like waking up in the chair inside the house to Noel, who is fortunately clothed at this point. And he offers her some food or beverage or something. And she says, where's Tom? And you see it cuts to his shoes. There's drops of blood on his shoes and his fingernails are all brownish, reddish. 
And it's like, holy fuck, this really, this really took a turn. And like, as much as I liked the show as a whole, I don't know how much that particular turn was earned. Like if you just looked at the pilot and you looked at the last episode, so much of what happens in the last episode is you can trace how it would all make sense. But that's the one thing where it's like, this is totally not the contract that was set up in episode one to me. That's true. I don't think that it ruined the rest of it. I just thought that it was like, oh, that's like maybe a little bit of a reach. Like we're not actually in the League of Gentlemen. We just have like little shades of it here and there and that's fine. Um, I mean, it didn't bother me because it wasn't treated as a huge reveal. She sees a drop of blood on his shoe and looks at his hands. Mm-hmm. I mean, spoiler alert, it wasn't like sharp objects. Don't tell mama. Like, it, <laughs> we didn't. I mean, I mean, right, we, we didn't we, see a flashback from we, his point of view. We know it's very heavily implied that he murdered Tom for some reason. <laughs> yes. But they don't dwell on it and they don't actually confirm it. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of ambiguity in this whole, in this whole thing. Um, yeah. So that's, so that's camping. Um, Shag, Mary kill time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really interested to hear where this is going to go. Ooh, let's let's do women first. Because I think that's an easier answer for me. I'd fuck Faye, I'd kill Fiona, and I'd marry Carrie. Same. Yeah, that's, I mean, there's no other way for that to go, right? No. No. Um, and then the men... Definitely marry Robin. He's so sweet. He's the only marriageable one of the bunch. And then mm. this is where it gets a little harder because Adam's the one that you want to kill and fuck and just leave Tom be. But it's like, are my hormones stronger or is my desire to kill stronger? It's a question I wrestle with every single day, frankly. <laughs> As I was watching the series, like halfway through it, I asked myself the fuck, marry, kill question. Mm-hmm. And I, I was going to marry robin and fuck adam and kill tom and then by the end i couldn't fuck adam 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 screams at his own son you're a cunt yeah adam talks about his wife who died by drowning and actually says yeah it's like watch where you're going you stupid cow yeah no he's an unforgivable dick so i would kill him and fuck tom because tom is having this incredible sexual renaissance and is always at it and i kind of wouldn't mind that yeah, I guess the question is, are we talking about sober Adam or drunk Adam? Because in the first but half... sober Adam sucks too. Sober Adam he's... does suck too, but he's not a monster to quite the same degree. No, you're right. I would have to I'd have to fuck Tom. I wouldn't be excited about it. And frankly, I think that the sexual renaissance is all due to Faye. I don't know that he's necessarily bringing anything to the table, which is why she loses interest in him after the first day or two of their trip. But, Maybe um, you're right, yeah. But, but no, absolutely, yeah. My kill instincts almost always override my, my sex instincts. I should have been a Black Widow, man. <laughs> anyway, That's yeah. awesome. Kill, I mean, I yeah. thought Tom was kind of cute. I thought time was kind of I was I was actually going to ask you this because it seems like he would be the one that you would be attracted to on this show. Was he? Um, He seems like your type. I was working out in my kitchen the other day, as I am wont to do, and uh, I had my Lizzo on. And her song, Boys, is fantastic, especially when she has that little bridge where she's just like, I like big boys. I like skinny boys. Itty, itty boys. I like pretty boys. Like, I, I just I just said it wrong, but she just lists every kind of to- like boy that she likes. And it, it just <laughs> covers kind of the entire spectrum of men. And I'm like, yeah, I feel that. Cool. Me too. I have a crush on every boy. I feel like all three of the dudes in this show are, are hot in their own way. 
Here's the thing. If, no, no, if, no, not the characters, but just, I'm like, okay, Steve Pemberton. Oh, I love Steve Pemberton. I if, love you. If this were the only thing that I knew Steve Pemberton from, I would not have a crush on him. But knowing the sick, fucked up brilliance that can come out of that mind and what an incredible actor he is, and also having watched him act like when he was in his 30s, of course I am madly in love with that man. Yeah, he's adorable in his in his pajamas, as I mentioned. <laughs> he's adorable. Adam is just kind of a hot alpha dude with a great bod and great hair. Mm-hmm. And Tom, yeah, he's so cute and cuddly. Like, yeah. of course I'm into him. Okay, okay, no. I mean, he's got, yeah. he's got those nice, like, deep chocolatey brown eyes that's are pretty soulful. No, I get it, I get it. I just, I was wondering if it was like... It wasn't like a Matt Berry thing of like, oh, oh yeah, it's not the full on Stephanie Lust. That's my impression of you. Oh, (laughs) maybe it's not. Oh, oh yeah, no. You've you've made that voice on this podcast before. Not not full on Matt Berry at all. Not full on Matt Berry at all. But I I found him adorable. Okay, I really did. Cool. You know, talking about Robin's infidelity, Mm -hmm. which is disappointing in the moment, but Mm -hmm. you're also just kind of shown at every turn that he's not only taken for granted but mm-hmm. his wife also kind of openly acts really hostile toward him oh yeah and makes it really kind of look like she wishes he were gone mm-hmm. so you're disappointed especially since it wasn't even affectionate you know mm-hmm. like it's like you cheated and you got to get off but it wasn't even quote worth it it wasn't yeah. even really that hot or anything yeah but it's like it's been seven years mm-hmm. And in the American version, it's been two years. Ugh, I know. And also in the American version, you're given the explanation that she has had like a hysterectomy or something and she's got fucking what's it called? It, everything's really painful for her and it's difficult. And it's, it is a physiological problem. It's not just her having no sex drive and being disgusted by her husband. Yeah, and they've been trying, he says. So yeah. it's, it's completely different circumstances. And there's even a moment where it seems like they're going to, but then she accidentally says something that makes him all mad for no fucking reason and he like storms off and it's like dude you you're an idiot she says so and so and i are friends again because neither of us want to have sex with our husbands it actually was a pretty insensitive thing to say in a moment where your husband is trying to have sex with you yeah but he also he has to already know that that's the case and that it's a medical thing and also that she's under the influence of how many drugs at this point like take it with a grain of salt dude that was the other thing everyone's talking about how uptight jennifer garner's character is and i'm i'm going she she keeps getting high. Yeah. <laughs> She's not that uptight. You don't know uptight till you've met Fiona. What's her name? Betterall? Whatever her name is. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, God. Um, is there anything else that you have that you want to say about this? I mean, I I feel like I wrote down so many lines, but I don't want to just be sitting here reading funny lines and then going, oh, I wish you could see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think but, that will, I mean, yeah. Did you try to look for a DVD? Cause no, I, I did. I want... That was the first thing that I did. It doesn't exist on any DVD because I have a multi-region okay. DVD player. WTF? I, is I this know. a case of having to like write to Sky TV and saying, "Dear, dear archival manager, yeah, give me this, please." Seriously, I think that, that it is. It's it's so frustrating because I feel like you know, with the incredible advances in technology that have been made over the last few decades. The world is more connected than ever before, and clearly there is a demand for entertainment from different sources and different countries. I don't know, I just don't understand. I feel like DVDs with regions, I mean, I have a nice workaround now that I have a DVD player that can play anything, but 
even before I had that, it was like, what's the point? Like, why, if, if I have my, you can convert my dollars to pounds, just take my money, please. I, the, the will is there. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. I feel like everything, everyone should be free to see everything. Because we're all just one world, man. But yeah, I wish, I wish that they would release it on DVD at least so that more people could see it. Samesies. Samesies. Oh, damn you, sky. I'm shaking my fist at the actual sky. Actually, at my ceiling because I'm inside. Despite all the bugs in my room. <laughs> providing Is it still device. there? It's been crawling over a picture frame. And I think I see another one, but my vision is not such that I can make out what that little brown thing on the floor is. I don't know, man. It's like fucking where the wild things are in here. I'm surprised there aren't vines growing all over my walls. Mm, Anywho. Just wait. Well, thanks so much for listening. Um, I wish you guys could see this show. You can if you live in the UK somehow. But um, the rest of us have all just got to move there, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm so mad about that. I am so mad about that. I want to show this to everyone. I know. In the meantime, until we can all move to the promised land of great television uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Anglopodcast. You can email us at anglophiliapodcast at gmail.com. You can find our website, anglophiliapodcast.com, read some blogs, buy some merch, hear our episodes there, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher, give us ratings, give us reviews, let us know how much you love us. And if you would like to hear extended cuts of our episodes, as well as a special uh, patron-only Spice World episode, mm -hmm. uh, make sure that you uh, visit our Patreon. We are on there, and uh, for a very small amount of money, you can listen to all kinds of content that you cannot get on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you're listening to this on. And since this is our season finale, which is as big of a surprise to us as it is to you, we, uh, we'll yeah. explain that in a minute. <laughs> but um, we would like to take an extra moment to say a huge, huge thank you and send out so much love to the people who have become our patrons via Patreon. So much love to Simon, Sherry, Margaret, Lark, and Dana. You guys rock. Also, shout out to all the people who are always hitting us up on social media or sending us lovely emails. Mark, Una, James, Ben, Vanessa, Francine, and also just double shout outs to Simon and Lark because they are always retweeting our stuff. It's really, really sweet. You too, Una. Although maybe if you're Irish, perhaps that's not how it's pronounced because I do love the Irish pronunciations. They're so mysterious. <laughs> I remember my mind being blown when I learned that Seamus from Harry Potter was named Seamus. I thought, what the actual <laughs> fuck, dudes? What the actual fuck? <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. Um, so, so yes, as we said earlier, this this is our season finale. We originally wanted this to be a season of six episodes, as have all our past seasons been. But uh, we ran out of shows that had only one season because the other one that we had for our lineup just got a second season. So you'll hear us talk about it at some point in the future eventually. Uh, but in the meantime, we're going to keep it short and sweet, and uh, we'll see you back next year. Bye! Bye!